0: Welcome to the Exceptional Insights Podcast. I'm Sean Wargo, and I'm joined by my colleague, Peter Hansen. Hello. Together, we make up the market intelligence team here at Avixa.
1: Where it's our job to identify trends in the economy and understand how they affect our industry, the professional audiovisual industry.
0: Hello, this is Sean Wargo and Peter Hansen from Avixa. We're here to talk a little bit more about AI. As we've teed up in some of our past podcasts, we have projected that the industry is gonna generate $100 billion in additional revenues. And the question, of course, on the table has been, is AI gonna help or hinder that effort? I think we've all heard the buzz at this point about uh, ChatGPT and generative AI, whether it's gonna kill us all or add men- uh, meaningfully to our lives. So we wanted to take the perspective here for our listeners more about ProAV and what's actually happening today. So Peter, I know you just authored a report for us on uh, part of, as part of our meta series on AI and the impact to ProAV. That goes a little bit into framing exactly what is AI when it's referencing or impacting us today. So where's it used?
1: Yeah, this is a topic I'm really excited to talk about. We got uh, a bunch of interesting data um, and did a lot of kind of book research to understand what AI is, how are the details? What are some pitfalls even of AI for AV that people aren't talking about? Uh, I hope folks check out the full report. I mean, there's a lot more detail in there. There's the numbers that uh, you know, we'll talk about, maybe some of the general conclusions today, uh, but the details we can't uh, get into the same way we can in the report. Uh, AI is so interesting um, for me because uh, I think the place to start is kind of like that definition, uh, first thinking, AI, the simplest, maybe consensus core of definition is technology that is sort of so advanced, it seems like human level, right? Uh, And then I think for AV, there's kind of two main types to think about. Uh, For me, those two types are specific AI and general AI. Uh, Specific AI are things uh, like we're already seeing in AV, things that maybe... Uh, aren't even referred to yet or are always as AI. It's software like, for example, in a microphone that is a single source in a room and it kind of maps out, acoustically maps out the room so that it can then identify who the main speaker is. It filters out all other noises, maybe even a louder noise to focus in on that speaker. It right sizes their voice. Uh, so that you can have all this quality audio despite a relatively simple hardware setup substituting with that super intelligent software so that's an example of ai that's already in av i'm using the term ai for that i think it's justified by the level of software uh, but it's not something that necessarily has that label Uh, and it's very specific and that's one type i would say um and and you'll find it in things like Um, Some certain types of control systems, certainly in cameras that are picking out faces and zooming in and and choosing which one and and getting the lighting right. Then there's general, and that's something like ChatGPT where it's machine learning based, uh, this huge model, tons of data feeding it, creating this neural net. It's kind of brain-like, and it can do so many different things. It's one tool that can pass an LSAT, that can pass like a mid-level Google coding interview, that can do math problems, that can do customer service in some levels. And that's crazy. And that's not so much in our industry yet. Mm. Uh, Our data that we collected shows that people are using it, but it seems like it's that experimental phase. Like, well, let me see if it'll make a uh, a summary for me, or let me see what it would do with this email that I have to write. And not a meaningful part of workflow and that's the really you know potential transformative one they're both impactful and they're both going to impact long-term uh av revenue but they have different levels Hmm. Uh, what what for you stands out with uh ai and av sort of status quo already terms of the uses we're seeing, the impacts we're already seeing? Yeah, I
0: would agree with the the summary. I think, you know, ChatGPT, those kinds of generative technologies, I think all of us have had our eyes opened recently by the the developments over the last six months, a year, where it's now suddenly uh, a really viable tool. So I would imagine that a lot of integrator installers, where they're kind of focused first, is yes, content generation, how do I do marketing messaging, emails, uh, the kind of simple content creation that, you know, we would use desktop publishing for. Um, I would imagine... You know, we've talked about, we've thought about, is there a possibility with some of the things you're seeing around image generation, video creation, maybe there's something there too. Digital signage is a great example. I know you covered that a little bit in the report too, as an area where we have tons of hungry displays now that need to be fed with content. And so this is another way to, to do that. So probably some fringe areas of the marketplace are, are starting to think about that creatively. But I can imagine, I'd be curious to kind of what the research might've pointed out as to kind of what. What is actuality, though? Like, where are – because integrators tend to be pragmatic about the technology they bring. It has to work. has to be reliable. Uh, it has to provide known benefit uh, or true, uh, um, proved benefit to a, a, a customer. So all those things would be consideration, I think. But, yeah, what does the data say in terms of that kind of more cutting-edge aspect yeah. today?
1: Yeah, starting to maybe cast that eye forward a little bit on uh, what we're going to see in the next few years. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, you mentioned with digital signage really hit the nail on the head uh, because we've always heard that a big barrier for end users with their digital signage is that it's so hard to keep it current, to really have the fresh content that justifies its existence. And that fresh content is something that AI can really work well at for two reasons. One is that uh, when you've already created some content, you, you can feed it into the AI. Here are some poster visions that we've already created. Can you create me similar posters? And AI is great at that, following you know the, the, the palette and following the style that's established. Uh, another reason that that is a good use of AI is that for visual things like that, it's very easy for someone to just quickly analyze, snap of the fingers, and see if it's good, right? It's not, um, I'll say the kind of the other end of the spectrum is something like a uh, computer code, where many software engineers will tell you they prefer, rather than to edit someone else's code that they haven't seen, to just write totally fresh code because it's so difficult to understand exactly why this function is written the way it is, how it fits together into uh, the whole script. So that that's kind of the opposite of the spectrum where it's really opaque and labor intensive to just assess AI's work and then plug it in. So because digital signage uh, is content he- heavy, because it's easy to sort of recreate new content um, original content, take advantage of that creativity that AI has where um, maybe in some areas it's not as, as useful, and then quickly analyze it. You know, like a creative director at a company could just go through a hundred AI-generated images in an hour pretty quickly, a minute on each one, um, less than a minute on each one even, uh, to create content to feed signs in an airport for a month. Um, in a way that was much more difficult pre-AI. Let's pick up
0: on a thread there. So there's a creative aspect that AI brings to the table and an additional tool set, a capability to expand our creative possibility. One aspect I've wondered about, uh, and I think you've talked about as well in the past, is design. So is there the potential uh, as an augmentation to human uh, capability within an organization for an integrator installer who's looking at doing potentially complex designs for an install? How the technology fits into the space Um, how it could be even aesthetically built, and uh, the positioning of the technology, the optimization of the technology. Is there a role for AI here? Are we there yet? Are there tools for this, Uh, and is there a role there?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, From the research I did, kind of talking to really expert uh, technicians, design seems sort of kind of in the middle between, let's say, computer engineering, where it's easier just to write it yourself, Not that that's a perfect rule, but potentially easier to write itself rather than to edit someone else's and verify that it works the way it's supposed to. Uh, And that being one extreme, an image being the opposite extreme where you can just look at it really quickly and have a very solid assessment. Design seems to be maybe a little bit in the middle where you can look at it and it takes some meaningful effort to review the draft and make sure it's fully in compliance and safe and will look great and will function. Um, So there it's kind of in the middle. Uh, but then there's another sort of key dichotomy, which is that when you're designing a fully new space, it's a newly constructed, the designer's working from plans, their, their, their paper, their numbers. And that's something that you can feed straight into AI and it can do well with. Then you're talking about, on the other hand, designing in places that already exist. And okay, there'll be schematics and such, but... The reality is you have to vi- do a site visit. I mean, if you want it to work, there's going to be quirks. Uh, the reality is going to be different. It's going to be have these complications. And is it theoretically possible in the future that you know a camera can look through the space, that can be uploaded? Sure. Uh, but that's steps out into the future. Mm-hmm. There are steps like getting AI good at processing that video information, getting... Uh, I think one of the biggest barriers there is too is training data set. That's not how the work has done been done previously. So how are you going to train? What are you going to use to train the AI? Um, it doesn't exist. You're going to have to create it and then use it and then be able to build AI off of it. Uh, so design is an interesting one and it's complicated. I think that um, a big conclusion, and I'm curious what you think about this, Sean, is that AI ends up being for most places, more of a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like a powerful tool uh, for uh, content creation, and that gives a big tailwind to a, th- a tech- AV technology like digital signage. Uh, but then for a lot of other segments of AI, it's a tool that makes work more efficient. Uh, it makes steps in a process more efficient, but it doesn't really revolutionize or have a huge positive or negative impact what what do you think are, yeah. there, are there any are there any segments where okay maybe it is a tool but it's a good tool um it's a more impactful tool than others
0: yeah i think at the root of that question is something i was going to ask you as well is uh, the impact to staffing are we mm-hmm. talking about a technology that's not going to replace people so we have fewer people on staff or is it more an augmentation? I think there's a lot of good research on productivity these days is talking about or capturing this notion that for each of us, as we think about our day, our capabilities, the resources we have, the time we have, there's a number of tasks that we just feel we can't get to. So any in, in our self-evaluation of productivity, most of us would recognize Yes, I could do a lot more because I have emails to keep up with, um, Teams calls to sit on, you know, content to create all those sorts of things. So to me, this tool set is a way of helping us break through a barrier of productivity that ultimately tech in some ways has created for us because of these increased points of connection, the increased demands on time with the various systems that we have to keep up with. So I do think on net, it is a tool set. I've heard it also said about AI it's not the AI that replaces you. It's someone who knows how to use AI that replaces you in the future because this is a competitive advantage in a role to be able to make effective use of a tool, just like today or in, uh, over the last 20 years, we've all gotten better at using Office 365 productivity tool sets like Office and uh, Word, uh, PowerPoint, Excel. So to me, it's just the next step in that journey. And, and I would imagine for integrators, some that are more comfortable living on the cutting edge and and, uh, kind of working with new technology, it can be a booster. They have to think through how it could be most effectively used for their organization, but as a tool set and that they can employ, it can help them hopefully be more efficient, more effective, more profitable, Generate more revenue; those sorts of things. So, as we both know, as we've established on these calls, I tend to be more glass half full uh, in these kinds of things rather than kind of pessimistic uh, or negative about the the kind of bad the 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 downside risks uh, of impact to business. Um, so, to me, as we kind of look at impact to staffing and or business, I see this as ultimately being a catalyst. You know, we've talked about. A return to a more normalized growth rate for pro AV over the next 5 years let's call it a high 5% 5.6% compendial growth rate this among many other things is one of those that could act as a further amplifier uh, as we as we kind of look forward boosting efficiency boosting revenue possibilities but yeah i'm team tool on this mm-hmm. in the gar- in this regard uh, rather than replacement yeah what's your thought yeah. on, on I mean, the job market
1: taking the economist perspective mm-hmm. It's kind of this long-term reality where a new technology comes out, and people maybe accurately identify that it's going to eliminate some jobs. Um, jobs like, you know, there are a lot fewer fewer people, a lot fewer stable hands out there today. Uh, now that we have yeah. cars, and that doesn't mean <laughs> that the economy is better because we have cars. You know, we get places faster. Our lives are better, um, and that's like a little hand wavy to say that. You know especially when a technology comes on really fast and it's a law lo- it's a quick process for all these people to reskill and move over to other uh roles then it's tough um and i think that that is true that ai is going to eliminate some you know probably some graphic designer type jobs because you know one okay. graphic designer yeah. designer is going to be able to use AI to create twice as much content, three times as much content and process it because they're really skilled with the prompts and they're really skilled with uh, using it to edit something that they've already created or, or, or creating like a few templates that then AI goes wild with, uh, but within that bounds of what they created already. Um, but, I, but I'm excited about these other possibilities as well, like where it increases pro- productivity. Like for example, an engineer who needs to communicate with an end user and describe how to use something. And they're an engineer. They're really tech. They have a the super good technical mind. Uh, but when it comes to communication, you know, they're a lot more average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they plug that explanation that they created into AI and say, make this understandable to a layperson. put it in plain English And AI does it and they review it and now it's excellent and I think all of a sudden uh, there's more demand for AV because the descriptions and the communication involved is really good because AI helped uh, become that bridge and it can't really replace a person because you still need to have the knowledgeable AV person explaining what the AI needs to say or at least like here's the background AI this is where you step in and then double check to make sure it's good Right, because I think that uh, I read uh, actually today, the morning of uh, this podcast recording, about someone who replaced all of the their customer service staff with AI because AI worked better. Uh, but there, this sort of, I want to I want to throw a lot of like you know cold water on the idea of unmonitored AI because of the nature of these language based uh, models. Like we said all the way at the beginning, talking about it, you feed a lot of data in, you create this brain-like uh, software product that actually even the engineers who created it don't really understand, from in a, in a sort of like A to B to C way at least, uh, how the, the content comes out of it, right? Um, and that means they can't put in good guardrails. Look, so they try, right? Um, but... Uh, there's a the term that I think everyone should be familiar with is called jailbreaking, uh, where you get around the guardrails that the AI creators try to install to make it work in an appropriate way. Um, and I'll, I'll share a quick anecdote. I experimented with Bard a couple few weeks after it uh, was released to the public. In about 15 minutes of playing with it idly, out of curiosity, I had figured out on accident, how to get around its uh, barriers about uh, protecting privacy. So I accidentally uh, figured out how to ask it about a person and get it to actually tell me about the person. It told me about my girlfriend's, where she lived, the county she lived in, her dog's name, her interests accurately that she it apparently appeared to pull from Instagram. It told me about my friend's it, um, uh, like kind of career profiles. It, plagiarized straight from LinkedIn. I mean, it was really creepy and really inappropriate, quite honestly. And that was a jailbreak that happened from just a curious person, 15 minutes, right? What happens when it's customer service with a lot of money on the line uh, and someone who's maybe not very honest reading the journal articles that are out there about how to reliably and quickly jailbreak AI? Mm -hmm. They're going to get away with stuff, and I so I, I I I think that companies should be really cautious. You know, the first person that goes to AI as uh, their customer service might get away with it because there isn't the apparatus out there, the forums like how to take advantage of AI customer service and get it to promise you a refund um, that it will be legally binding, or or can um, or how to get it uh, to create some safety issue that that you can then uh, pursue in a legal way. Uh, I think that companies should be really cautious about it. Use it as a tool. And, and the last thing I'll say uh, before I hand it back to you, Sean, is um, the other thing that I read about this this morning along with that example of someone who replaces an entire customer service was a tool developed to be essentially the hand-holding AI for the customer service. So it was ultimately a human doing all of the customer service, uh, but they had an AI suggesting what they say in every case. And what it did was... Create an average fourteen percent increase um, in their efficiency, and especially for those new customer service workers, it made them operate essentially like an experienced customer service worker. Uh, and it also avoids all of those unmonitored uh, AI issues um, that are really myriad. Um, you know, I talked about uh, jailbreak. We haven't talked about hallucinations yet. That was the number one concern uh, for the uh, the uh, community that we surveyed um as part of our data
0: yeah i think the key the key thing there to me is this notion of ai needs a conductor it really needs mm-hmm. somebody. so uh, your your analogy is a good one. you know, we think back to the horse and carriage days. Yes, we don't have stable hands anymore. We've kind of they've graduated. they graduated on into the audio industry, auto industry, uh, working in factories, repairing vehicles, uh, servicing, selling, all the sorts of things. So what you can imagine in future as you're kind of talking about is organizations that are have effectively worked uh, built it into workflows and put the the employee base, the human employee base in that mole, that role of conductor. They're utilizing the technologies for the benefit of their particular areas of expertise, uh, functions, whatever it might be, uh, workflows that they're managing. So that that to, that to me is the key. It's still a technology that has to be treated as such, just like a hammer or a nail or any other, mm-hmm. uh, although of course, much more evolved, um, seemingly able to think for itself, but just like kind of Fostering and and uh, rearing children, it's it's it needs a hand. It needs handholding and mm-hmm. conducting. So where are the? So we've talked about hallucinations. We've talked about um, jailbreaks and and other sorts of of concerns. What's the net net? Do we think that uh, this technology? Ultimately, uh, is something that will help us grow, or is it is it more of a detractor? I think, as I'm leaning, as a, as we're talking about this, I've I'm putting my position uh, securely forward. As to me, this is an accelerator. I'll point to an area and then turn it to you for kind of your thoughts too. As I look at a key aspect of ProAV that's been let's call it the holy grail over the last twenty years, even is managed services. So the ability to have long term revenues with customer, long-standing relationships, ongoing support upgrade pathing, replacement, mon- uh, monitoring, troubleshooting, uh, data analytics, a whole su- uh, suite of different things. Right now, we are expecting that managed services would generate about an eight, eight and a half percent growth rate uh, within its uh, of revenues for over the, pa- in the next five years. To me, this is one of those things that will help make that come happen, if not actually help to accelerate it a little bit. What else is out there? We talked about mm-hmm. digital signage any other areas that you could see as this would potentially be an impact a booster mm-hmm.
1: uh, or a negative impactor? To be honest for me, I see it as a relatively neutral impactor
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I'm going to hit on a couple of, of negative potentials uh, for why you know you've hit on the positive for why I see it as neutral. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll even say like a worst case scenario. Um, so worst case scenario is that AI makes a, ca- a single camera so effective at f- figuring out the faces and focusing on them that you don't need to have an intelligently designed and installed camera setup. And the same thing for microphones. It gets so good at picking out the right voice, the right sound, filtering it out, having it become the right volume, that you don't need to have Good microphone setup. You don't need to worry about the the sound dampening walls and and such. And then the long term uh, impact is that software replaces hardware, and it replaces even intelligent design to some level. And it's a downside to AV total revenue. So that's like some of the worst case scenario. And I will say. Um, that i don't fully believe in that you know my my, my point it won't I, make us I, lazy <laughs> I, I i see a, i see a a neutral outcome uh, but i do see uh it in some cases becoming really simple because those you know single source microphones we already see them you know single ptz cameras that are super smart um and and are you know perfect for the the given needs um but, you know but i also see places where because ai is Helping the technology um, in a way, like for example, AI Copilot for Microsoft, making uh, meetings that have that recording aspect. They're on video. It has all the takeaways and it has the notes, and it, and it's useful to folks that they insist that all of the meeting rooms have the capability to have Copilot riding alongside and creating those notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so I see kind of both sides there. Um, now, one more pitfall I want to talk about and one kind of more barrier, and this is also kind of why I stay neutral, where I think that um, the impact is maybe not quite so big as folks think. Actually, before I even mention that, I want to say w- one thing that was quite funny in, the, in my research. Uh, Sam Altman, who's the CEO of OpenAI behind ChatGPT, has takes saying that AI is an existential threat to humanity and also that it's overhyped. It's, mm. And and the reason he says it's overhyped, is overhyped in the short term. There's a lot to, for us to work out. Um, and I think that we can see AI as like, looking really great. I mentioned how it can pass an LSAT, how it can pass a Google coding uh, interview. Uh, but the reason it can do that is because it's been fed the internet with thousands of example LSAT questions, with... Answer keys, how to answer these Google coding questions. Um, Those are sort of like core type questions. But in the real world, we're not dealing with those core questions. We're dealing with, I want you to create an entirely new software. I want you to uh, answer this novel legal case. And that is where AI struggles. If you actually look at the research, and and I'll recommend IBM has some really great content out there about If you want to understand AI technically, if you want to think about how to avoid hallucinations and and be better at using AI for your own uh, purposes, IBM has some great content. And one of the things they note and stress about hallucinations is they happen when you're off of the charted territory of what's already out there on the internet, what was in the training data set. Um, So it's those novel questions, the new spaces that, that AI struggles with. Um, And so that just kind of draws me back to the neutral effect for the five-year outcome. I mean, in 20 years, no one knows what's going to happen. It could be crazy. Mm -hmm. But I think in the next couple years, we're talking about people bringing it into their workflows to be 5%, 10% more efficient. Uh, We're talking about technologies having more of that really impressive software to be a little bit better, maybe replacing some hardware but also driving a little bit of demand Digital signages, conferencing, collaboration. Um, so I see neutral, and I've talked a little about the worst case scenario. What's the best case scenario? How, how, what, what is like the pie in the sky? You know, the the, the doomsday is it makes uh, software so advanced that hardware becomes unnecessary. You know, like the hmm. the intelligent hardware that makes Pro AV professional. What's the what's the positive side?
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with you that you know certainly as we look at where we are today. It does have the feel more of that bubble effect, you know, late 1990s, where we were talking about internet and and the internet bubble. At that point, it was going to just change the world dramatically. And yes, it changes things, but it takes a while to actually fully realize the potential that's there. Uh, it was after that, you know, we got the full Amazon effect and and uh, social media and all sorts of other things that mm-hmm. came on down the path. So for next five years. It'd be a stretch to say this gets us from 5% growth to 10% growth, you mm-hmm. know? There are many other things intrinsic in our market, um, experiential economy, as an mm-hmm. example, you know, that have a lot more legs, kind of muscle behind them right. as potential amplifiers. If anything, a an AI story is more just incremental. So, to me, really best cases, we're, we're looking at, you know, maybe a, a point or so of additional mm-hmm. upside because... The marketplace figures out how to use these technologies in an efficient fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're able to kind of push revenue, push efficiency, all that mm-hmm. kind of thing uh, to generate growth. So even as an optimist here, the reality check is feels like a bubble. It's a bit of a bubble. We're excited. It's new. It's different. It's it's a it's a very clear step forward with these um, these uh, machine learning models and and able to, to uh, digest content. What's interesting to me is too, much like a, a, a child in this regard, is this phenomenon where, as you noted, it's only on the edges of knowledge that it starts to kind of get shaky. But what's interesting is it doesn't admit it doesn't know, yes. it makes stuff up. So it'll make up, there's famous uh, situation of court cases being made up to support a legal briefing. Right. So it doesn't say it doesn't know, it just extrapolates off of what it has. Yeah. So Clearly, as uh, mm-hmm. as being said by bigger experts than than me, certainly, uh, we have a ways to go. We have a yeah. lot more to to leverage here.
1: Hey. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, two quick thoughts on the kind of the AI and bubble connection that you just mentioned. Uh, the first is there's some kind of core economic principles where, well, let's say not prin- principles, maybe too strong of a term, uh, but indicators that if you look around, like what, what are signs of a bubble. The common ones you're going to see is everyone's talking about it. And, you know, even your Uber driver wants to chat you up about it. That's certainly AI. Um, and then two is the revenue is out of proportion with the valuations. And for AV, that doesn't quite apply because our industry is not really so much trying to take revenue straight from AI. I mean, in some cases, it's software that maybe we're selling, uh, but more it's trying uh, the the analog for revenue in AV is actual realized purposes um, um, purposes where it has replaced some staff or it has made staff that much more meaningfully productive and that's not really there yet. Uh, so I think that there's that that deficit and so I, folks I would say be really cautious, n- not um, not scared. Um, and that's that brings me to the second thing I want to say about a bubble, which is that the internet was a bubble. Well, I just used it about a half hour ago. It's pretty great. you know, just because right. something's a bubble doesn't mean there's not an unbelievable future for it. Um, it just means that maybe we're getting a little bit out ahead of ourselves. And that could be the case for AI. I think that we're both kind of in alignment with an impact on A v, but a little bit more incremental. Um, and, and with, with, uh, with a bell curve on, on both sides of our 5 you know, to 6% growth uh, for the next five years.
0: Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this discussion of AI and its impacts to ProAV. Join us next time as we perhaps dig a little bit deeper into some other areas that are exciting to us. Uh, experience economy, several things that we think are going to yield strong growth for us as we go forward. As you've heard here, AI, more neutral but we'll see how it all pans out in the years to come. Thanks so much, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Exceptional Insights.